Hi, I'm Gabby Reese, and this is Win the Day with James Whitaker. You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, this is the number one podcast to help you win the day every day. Here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go! Welcome to Win the Day with James Whitaker. If this is your first time here, we interview the world's true legends to help you take ownership of your financial, physical, and mental health. And our guest today is the perfect intersection of those three areas. Gabby Reese is a volleyball legend, an entrepreneur, a keynote speaker, a mum, a wife, a fitness coach, host of The Gabby Reese Show, and a New York Times bestselling author. She's been featured on Dr. Oz, The Today Show, and Joe Rogan, and was the first female spokeswoman for Nike. In September 2020, Gabby and her husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, listed their plant-based food company Laird Superfood on the New York Stock Exchange just five years after they launched it. Gabby and Laird are also the founders of Extreme Performance Training, XPT, designed to stimulate growth in all aspects of human performance through exposure to a variety of natural elements and environments. Essentially, they kick your ass through breath optimization, functional movement, and recovery techniques like ice baths and hot saunas. Like all of us, Gabby's journey has had its ups and downs, which we'll get into, but what I love most about her is her hunger to gain new perspectives while keeping it real at the same time. In this interview with Gabby, we're going to talk about tips for peak performance in 2021 and beyond, Gabby's advice for healthy relationships with your children and your spouse, how to unlock your motivation each day, and how you can find peace in an increasingly crazy world. Before we begin, hit the subscribe button to get access to episodes as soon as they are released. All right, let's win the day with Gabby Reese. Gabby, great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for coming to my house and hanging out with me. <laughs> it always does sound better when you have a an accent. It just is the way it is. You know, eight years in America now, and I'm still haven't even yeah. come close to shaking my. It's my beautiful. You don't want to. You don't want to lose it. You know, I went to Iowa about two years ago and no one could understand a, a word of what I said. It was a town, McGregor, Iowa. I was there helping out with a friend's mastermind and literally no one could understand a word of, of what I said. So uh, that doesn't help when I'm trying to make jokes a lot of the time too. <laughs> you had situations when you were young that forced you to grow up very, very fast. When did you feel like you developed a growth mindset for the first time? You know, I, I don't know that that's ever a conscious thing. I'm always nervous when people make the conscious effort, like you know, I'm going to have a growth mindset. I think it's something that either some people are born with. And then I think some people sort of realize like, Hey, I'm going along and this doesn't seem to be working. Maybe I could do that differently. That seems like a good reason. I think for me, it was just more about, um, it was a survival reaction to, um, scanning ahead to sort of try to anticipate so that I could land someplace that not only I wanted to, but, um, that maybe was going to be essential to my survival. And then I think when you do that long enough, and then combine it with athletics. Because the thing about athletics, right, your goal is what? It's to always improve. So why not take that off the court and do that as a human being? Because actually we spend a lot more time, be it during the day or years that we're living as people. And we always say, you know, there's a difference between winners and champions. And um, I think maybe I was always more interested in trying to continue to develop as as a human being, but also, you know, really when you have opportunity, and especially opportunity to express yourself or have your life reflect you, you start to recognize, hopefully, that it's a gift. So then you want to participate in 
um, not only maintaining it, but then seeing if you can continue to expand that. So what helped you learn when you were young? Was it the athletic pursuits that you were following that gave you that structure and that, uh, that ability to have something on the, on the finish line there to work through? Was there any books or anything like that that you read as well that really helped? Actually, I had a friend give me uh, Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged, when I was 15. And uh, I think having adults that um, maybe were not modeling certain things, and I was looking for that structure, so I self-inflicted it. I mean, by nature, I have a little bit of a rigidity that I was born with, and then it got, I think, accentuated by my environment. And then getting involved in sports and realizing that progress is about systematizing certain things and having a practice. Everything is about practice. If you ask me now at this time in my life, I would say to people, we have all the information. We do. We just have to practice. And so um, all of those elements really helped me, um, you know, continue to do that. So you're, you're also quick to understand, you know, what can I participate in? What am I in control of? And I can't control that. I got to get, it's just like, almost like pull the cord, move on. So I think I I think that you learn to do that quickly too. Sure. So really, people don't know what it is they do. It's it's that discipline, isn't it? Every single day to try and figure out what it is that that needs to be done. Just you, getting it done every every single day. Yes, and but of personal accountability is so important, and being truthful with yourself. I think um, that's one thing I did love about sports is I always felt really honest, and you couldn't hide. But let's say, for example, I was having a bad game, but my teammates were playing well. You you would learn kind of how to tuck in behind that. You could still come away winning even if you didn't perform well. So maybe in that way. But ultimately, even within that, you're being honest with yourself. Like, hey, I didn't play my best or I didn't participate as much or or what have you. And so I think it's it's always having that honest check-in with like, like maybe I don't feel like it or I want to be angry or I want to exercise my ego and let that person know I want to exert force. And so, like, it's like just being that honest all the time in all the scenarios as much as you can. That athletic background seems to be such a great foundation for people who are able to use those principles to, to move forward. And obviously you're still very actively involved in fitness and, and all aspects of, of holistic health. Where does that motivation to come from when you're not training, you know, the motivation every day, you're not training for a gold medal, you're not training for a finish line or anything like that. Where does the motivation to get up and, and give it your best every single day today come from? You know, I, I, one of my, my middle daughter, who's 17, we talk about this a lot. There's a part of me, and I've, I've sort of really identified this in the last few years, is there's a part of me that's a very blue-collar person in certain ways. And, and, um, and also, I don't need to lose my health. Uh, I've had enough like athletic surgeries and things like that. I don't need my to lose my health to 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 covet it and to understand it's besides my family and my friends. It's it is truly the greatest asset that I have. I mean, houses and cars. It's like I don't get distracted in that. So the other thing I'm doing is I'm practicing. When people talk about gratitude, the best way I can show is like, hey, I'm really grateful for my health. Is to take care of it. And so that's ultimately what I'm doing. And, and the other side of that is it's a level of sanity. I mean, I am a better functioning organism if I can also take care of the physical avatar to the best of my ability. Um, and, and nobody has to, it's sort of like a law of the universe. It's like the truth. And so I don't need to keep relearning that lesson. I know what the lesson is and I'm just ahead with it. Yeah, well, how, how often do you define and redefine what success is to you personally? Are you always acutely aware of, of having a definition of, of what is important to you or what success looks like to you? 
Absolutely. I think I'm, well, there's parts of maybe that I'm already clear about what the premise of what I think success is, which is, you know, hopefully keeping my family in as much of a loving environment as possible. That's not always, I don't always do that myself and it's just not always practical. And, um, and being in a, in a relationship where I'm here to serve the relationship and hopefully my husband's on the same page. Um, cause I can't make him do anything. Um, and then my physical health and continuous environments to continue to learn and improve, be it in really small ways. Mm. So I know that at my core, this always feels successful to me. And then maybe you're setting these new external goals. So is it in your business? Okay. This year, for example, like you stated earlier, okay, we're going to, let's run this over the goal line and take this company public after having uh, you know, many failures, mm. just to be clear, right? <laughs> and um, and so I think it's it's you've got your foundation that you're always you, you know gonna stick to, and then you're expanding in your external goals of what success and and really actually the big thing for me is like how do I strip everything down and keep simplifying mm. as I get older? So let's say our businesses are growing and expanding, but even within that. How do I simplify, keep simplifying? Because the thing I'm really drawn to is that essentialism and not getting like, oh, we're okay, parties and boats and stuff. It's like, oh, no, no, let's drill down. And um, and so that's always part of it. Yeah, you're at the part of your, you're at the time of your life now where you've got options and different things to do and making sure you've got that focus and simplicity mm-hmm. can help you moving forward in the right way rather than getting distracted and then being ineffective in a whole bunch of different areas. And I'm really happy you brought up the, the failures and things that you've had as well because people from the outside looking in might think Gabby Reese has, you know, this perfect life. But of course, we all have these struggles and things that are, that are going on behind the scenes. You've had a, a, you know, your entire life has been about peak performance and physical fitness and, and mental health. What have you incorporated into your daily routine today as a result of that lifetime of, of that pursuit? Well, first, you know, it's like the easy practice of like going to bed. And I admit I'm layered. Listen, let's be really clear about something. I have a built in person in my home that also makes this a lot easier because he's even more disciplined than I am. It's kind of obnoxious, but because he is in a pursuit. He's still like, that's why he's not here right now. He's foiling, right? So he, so we get to bed early. Um, and people don't, of course, we all know it, but food is the thing. It's the medicine. And so it can put you in an energetic mood. It can put you in a funk. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, and the exercise, it's about consistency. So I'll do things, pool training or land training, but there's plenty of days I don't get time. I don't actually have time to train. So I just try to support my well being through these other practices. So good sleep, um, good relationships, clear communication. I avoid drama. Um, I don't move towards things that I know piss me off. You know, like if I see a scenario personally or other, maybe with friends and it's not something like it's not for me to work out. I, I just stay away. So I think it's, it's all of these things. Um, having a practice also goes back to keeping it simple where I'm trying to not onload extra crap. I'm trying to figure out how to offload and not, you know, circle the bowl with it and be like, can you believe they said that? It's like, they said it, I didn't like it. Why would I continue to repeat that? and keep that story going versus where do I find the place within me to work it out? And if I can't, right, that's the other great thing. Like with Lerda, I can say, hey, I want to talk about something I would, that really pissed me off and got me going today, <laughs> even in that like bratty way. 
like where I responded with my ego and just totally identify it and then let it go. So I think it's, it's having these practices where you know yourself and you're like, oh, okay. And how do I move towards the place that I say I want to be? And just having always that practice. So much to unpack in all that. I mean, some really great stuff in there. I love that this, it's it's more a pursuit of simplicity in the lifestyle that you want to live and a lifestyle that gives you energy rather than necessarily being, uh, you know, the summit of some type of mountain and, and things over the horizon. I think that's fantastic. What's a, you know, you're, you're both into fitness. What's a, an average menu look like in the Gabby Reese household from a food perspective? It's just anything real food. Um, you know, you, you just heard my daughter complaining, like, there's no snacks. Of course, there's weird, funky food. Because that's the other thing is I don't want to make this an issue for my kids. This is our lifestyle. They will make their choices. However, when we make dinner, um, it's high quality animal protein, just a little bit, um, which, you know, usually means humanely killed um, and, you know, vegetables. Like it's, it's, it's just real food. Um, it's really not complicated. Uh, I try to be careful about what oils we eat. So, you know, I stay towards coconut oil, avocado oil, and olive oil, and also try to find the good stuff because a lot of it gets, um, you know, even a lot of olive oils, are they put sunflower and safflower oil to make it more affordable. So it's just saying, hey, I, this is important. Get these high quality ingredients. And what happens is, is people have to realize a lot of the reason other than emotional reasons that we overeat is because we we're not getting the nutrients that we need, the macronutrients, the micronutrients, the good fats. So we overeat. So if we're eating food that isn't doesn't have stuff in it, nutrition, our body will be like, well, I'm not full, so I need to keep eating. So I think what people have to realize too is that if you eat a lot of the good stuff, because it is more costly and I'm, I'm sensitive to that, is you, you do need less of it. Mm. And if you're eating for other reasons besides like you're hungry, it's also taking a look at that. I have that. And when I have stress in my life, believe me, we were talking about your chocolate that you love. I'm looking for it. I'm looking to medicate, right? And so I think it's just always about being aware of those relationships and be like, yeah, you know what? I am eating this chip because I hate everyone in my house, but I know why. At least I know why I'm eating it. I'm not doing it mindlessly. It's not all the time. So it's things like that. So for me, I usually skip breakfast. I have a very big coffee, tons of fat. I train, I might eat my biggest meal at lunch, depending on how I'm feeling. So if I'm very active, I will eat two decent sized lunch and dinner. If I'm medium active, usually lunch gets to be the big one, maybe not dinner at all, or maybe something light and that's it. Uh, and again, it's, it's not really complicated, very simple things, very few ingredients. Have you got the kids to work in the kitchen yet? My, yes, my older two daughters uh, are great cooks. You know, they do it when they feel like it. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, as a, as a parent um, and the person who, you know, Laird has other things that he, are sort of his strong suit. So kind of, this one's sort of in my lane a bit. And, you know, it's like the common joke of like, what's for dinner, you know? Um, but yeah, they're great cooks. And that's the thing you realize too, is like, that's all you have to model to your kids. Like, no, this is what we eat. This, you know, it's food and fun. And, um, and they always come back to it. So as teenagers, they want to eat weird non-food. Um, and you just have to always believe, let them, let them don't have it in the house, but if they go and they do whatever, let them. And then they're always going to come back. Cause also they feel better and they know it. Yeah. My diet as a teenager, absolutely horrible. Now yeah. it's, you know, it's so much better as an adult. Yeah, yeah. I was making horrible decisions and my parents allowed me to do that. Like packet pasture and, you know, microwave pizzas and all oh, those sorts yeah. of things that probably contributed to my gray head today. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's working for you. The, the funny thing is we don't have a microwave in, in our home. And um, our, my, my one daughter is just like, 
oh, and I'm like, and I, and I'm, I'm like, at least you have to make the effort to like kind of do it. Yeah. Know? So you probably enjoy it more too. Yeah. And I think getting away from that convenience, I think we need to cherish ourselves enough, even if it takes a few minutes to notice what we're eating and how to prepare it. Um, I just think that that's an important thing. Sure. You've done so much in your life and still doing so much. How do you balance that hunger for future achievements with happiness and and peace in the present? You know, that's one great thing about accomplishment, I think, is you realize like, oh, that isn't the answer. Accomplishment is just a marker that you you had an instinct about something or a passion for something. And that is the validation. I even look at money that way. It's an, it's a, it's just a, an indication like, oh, that worked out. Right. Um, and you realize that it's unsustainable. So if you don't have a relationship with having a sense of fulfillment and connection with the people in your life and a real life, um, you're going to be, you know, looking and chasing those things, those external accomplishments forever mm. and ever. And you can be a champion. And then the next day there's someone else, you know, I was reading an article about Tom Brady, right? It's like, it, you know, if people don't understand this, like you're not going to be the CEO, you're not going to be the world's greatest pop star. Like it's just not going to happen. So for me, it's, it's saying, Hey, I'm going to pursue things that I believe in that I'm willing to wake up for when it sucks um, and that I, I feel proud to be connected with on message or what ha- product or what have you. And I'm going to do this for my real reasons. And yes, I'm going to be strategic. I'm not sitting here like Pollyanna, like, oh, of course, I'm very strategic. Um, and and sometimes to a point that, it, that you can't even see. And that's even more, you know, I don't want to say... It seems disingenuine, but sometimes people, I can, I'm, I've gotten good enough at certain things that they don't even, it's blurred. Mm. It's all very genuine and authentic, but believe me, it's very strategic. It doesn't mean I'm lying. It just means I've learned how to put it all together. And so it's, it's that pursuit for that challenge because I need to keep myself busy and occupied. Um, but that it's always having a level of my feeling about myself and my value has to be based on me, my opinion, and my life. Not, hey, this week you're really busy and you're really successful. Next week it sucks. Nobody's calling you. You have no opportunity because you got you're you're gonna go. You'll die with that. What in life gives you the most peace? Like, when do you feel most at peace? And what advice do you have for other people who maybe feel like things are a little bit hectic for them and they would love to find a bit more peace in their life? You know, that's the thing. It's on us, mm. and it's nothing from the external. I think this idea of your feelings about yourself, your world. It's like, it's, I, I say it's sort of like, I take myself really seriously. And then I realize I'm a speck of, you know, I'm a grain of sand. Mm. And I think when you can always have these, this perspective, um, you get a, a, you get sort of a, a more realistic uh, look at things and your responses to things. But is you can't, Laird says it all the time, you can't put, it in other people's hands. Mm. So that's why I train. That's why I try to go to bed so I feel good. That's why I'm trying to be as kind and loving in my interpersonal relationships as I can be because that's all I'm in charge of. Mm. And if there's something that I need to do or it's I need an external validation, then I need to take a look at that because that's my ego. Yeah. And ego, listen, ego is important. You need it to go, but you can't, you just have to let them not drive the vehicle. Um, and so I think if people are feeling restless, it's like, well, survey all the corners of your, 
of your life, starting with your relationship with yourself and your health, and then go from there to those most intimate relationships. And then listen, look at your work. If you freaking hate your job, what is the strategy to find the next thing? Don't be an idiot. Don't just be like, I'm out of here. It's like, okay, wait a second. You know, I have a friend, Neil Strauss. He said, it's like this, the parallel train. It's like, you know, be on one. Don't just get off one and go to the other. But when the other gets speed, then you can leave and go to the next. So I always encourage people like, it's never going to be easier to make change. But if you're really doing something that you absolutely can't stand, figure it out. Yeah, getting on the front foot. Any plan is better than a prayer, thinking that something's going to all of a sudden hit you like a lightning bolt. Yeah. All of a sudden you're going to be happy in a, a role that you've hated for 40 years. Yeah, and I, and I believe, I am the, of the belief of always focusing, and I don't always do it. I'm just of the belief, It's but it's part of my practice. It's not about what I don't want. It's about continuing to focus and look at what do I want? What am I, you know, interested and working really hard at? And it just the pursuit would be a success, right? Because we cannot control outcome. And um, and so I think I, I I think that that's a really important thing. If you the energy is about where am I going? What do I want? Who do I want to be with? Who do I want to be? Not well. I don't want to do that. I don't want to fail. Um, I don't, I can't stand my, it's like, no, don't put energy into that. What do you want? Be clear. Mm. And, and that means also though, you have to be a grown up, and everything you do, everything you say, everything you eat, everything that you read, unless it's, you know, okay, guilty pleasures. Okay. Needs to support that thing that you say you want. Mm. And if they're in conflict, uh, it's never going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned people feeling restless. We know that 2020 has been a year of massive transition for you know the entire world. How has your life changed in, in 2020? You know, it's, it's obviously with the kids being around and, and we haven't traveled that much. Um, but I, I'm going to say that we're really on the good end of this as far as like we live in a place with space because we're entrepreneurs. We've always worked from home. Um, now we don't fly to meetings. We're Zooming like everyone else. Um, but mostly my kids, but I guess it's just, you know, I stopped watching the news many, many months ago, is you can feel energetically kind of this, you know, I feel that there's a weird divisiveness going on. And obviously, it's like stating the obvious. But that for me, what I, I really want to do is I want to keep um, focusing on participating in the energy of like, being calm, being loving, um, because I think that there are forces that be right now that are trying to make us all feel like we don't trust each other, we don't love each other, we can't come to some mutual agreement even when we don't agree. See, that's the thing. We're in a democracy. So we have to figure out how to kind of work it out. Yeah, a lot of people benefit or a lot of companies and things benefit from division and things too. Yeah, so I don't want to play that game. I don't want to... I'm just not, I'm not going to do that. So the only, and I, and I recognize that I can't get to the bottom of a lot of things. I don't, I won't know what the truth is. And so rather than being all perplexed or stressed out about it, I am going to be like, well, what do I want to be? And just practice that and fortify myself. Um, Going back to COVID, you know, it, we, we've been really fortunate. Um, It has made me look at how the world shifted really quickly, like in business and technology and things like that. So that was sort of an interesting thing because as you're always adapting and adjusting, um, and because I am older, um, these certain things are not intuitive. So if you're talking about business, um, so it's really sort of paying attention to where's this all heading and um, 
and, and finding the right people to get informed by or who to work with, because you can't possibly adjust as quickly as it's adjusted. So I think that that's been another, if I talk about my business where I'm like, oh, I'm going to evaluate this, but also I'm clear that uh, this is shifted in a way that I, I probably need to brush up on and get reeducated. Yeah, it has been a, a really interesting year for the world. There are a lot of people who are, you know, having a pity party and feeling sorry for themselves. But if there's one thing I do know about success, it's that how you respond to adversity when it inevitably strikes is what separates ordinary people from extraordinary achievers. Was there, what's the, the biggest adversity that you have faced that you have been able to identify an equivalent benefit from? You know, like I said, I, I've had failed businesses, but nothing that really is apparent. You know, I have you you think, oh, I'm going to show up the best way that I can and I'm going to do some, you know, I'm going to do the very best I can and, and really be alert and try to do all these things. But what happens is inevitably your children or child or, you know, uh, will say to you, oh, by the way, so that thing you were doing for like five years and like the way you talk to me um, and every kid's different. Um, that I hated that. And that was the worst for me. And oh, oh, by the way, I was actually quietly suffering over here and you didn't even notice. Right. So my business besides failure, I'm never, it's only going to come in so deep on me, my business, mm. but my family and especially parenting. Mm. And so what you learn is uh, you can crawl up in a ball. You can say, well, this is how I do it. So when you get out in your life, you'll do it your way. And there's certain things that are true to that, like how you keep your house cleanliness. But when you're talking about the emotional stuff, what you actually have to do as a parent is so freaking uncomfortable because you have to say, all right, I'm going to take a look at that and maybe I need to make a change. And that's a change when you're 100% well-intended. And that's really important for people to know that you can be in a, in a relationship or you can be a parent and you have the best intentions in the world and it was wrong. And so even within that, you have to say, and I'm going to take a look at it. Because usually we say, well, I'm well-intended. I'm here and that should be enough. And that's sometimes not the case. So those have been the most difficult changes for me, especially when a lot of that stuff worked in my life. I wanted to bring up parenting with you because one of the things I love about you is that you never romanticize parenting, you know, uh, relationships, anything like that. You keep it very, very real. What is the biggest fear you have for your children as they grow up? Because, you know, having an 18-month-old daughter, my biggest fear for her is that one day, whatever age it's going to be, she's going to wake up and realize that the world is a very big, dark, scary place and mm -hmm how I gently usher her in to be resilient enough to handle that is something that I think about every day and will constantly be on my mind as she gets older. What's the biggest fear you have for your, for your children? I mean, I believe in my kids are more, a little more formed. I mean, they go from age 25 and 17 and 12. So you get a sense of them, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard when they're 18 months old. Um, and I, and I have a lot of confidence in who they will be and who they are as people, even though it can be a bumpy ride. Um, you know, it's like having a vehicle that you're like on a really radical road, but you're like, no, the tires are going to stay on. We'll make it. Um, the, the technology is a really interesting, I think before it would be like, oh, I hope they have a job and they find someone they love and that loves them. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope that they survive technology. They have the ability to connect, to focus, um, to not compare. And also in relationship to the environment. Mm. So I, I I also, so, you know, worrying about it probably doesn't do any good. So just continuing to have those conversations with them. You know, I apologize when I blow it. If I don't understand, I tell them I don't really understand. That's another thing. Like when 
kids say to parents, like when I said to my parents, you don't understand, they understood better, my parents, of what I was going through than what I have to understand about what my kids are going through because mm. they're growing up with devices. So I don't understand. And so I've really said, okay, I'm going to look at it. And I don't use the metrics of how I grew up in the 80s to what, they, what they're going. Because by the way, yeah, we worked hard and we had a lot of metal and all this stuff, but there was a big group of us, Gordon Gecko type style, that that, act, that attitude doesn't work. So it's also kind of having some malleability to say, oh my God, they're in certain ways, I feel like, oh, they're all soft and a bunch of complainers. And But the way we did it didn't work. So let's see what happens. Sure. This generation cops a bad rap as far as being yeah. weak and not being as tough That's as previous right. generations that were storming the beaches. And I feel like it would actually be a lot tougher these days, whereas every single thing that you write or every picture that you send is yeah. out there in the public domain that you have to you know, you never know when something like that is going to to come back to haunt you. Oh, yeah. And and think about their ability, their emotional awareness. Sometimes for me, it goes too far. I'm like, okay, seriously? Like, oh, the way you're talking offends my... It's like, you know what? Stuff it. Like, figure it out how to protect yourself. However, there, within that middle, somewhere in there, there's an opportunity to really have better conversations. So I think we can learn from them, of course, about... Um, just things that a lot of times people either look the other way or pack down or, or what have you. So, but I worry about the technology and I worry uh, that the, our humanity and technology and biology, that it's not how we're going to find that harmony because the technology also is such a valuable industry mm. and what they monetize on, uh, you know, it's like, it's not really going to support humanity and our biology. So where then do we figure that out? Where do you interject between that freedom of letting your children experience life, which is probably the the best teacher is going through these experiences themselves versus having that feeling deep down within that they are going down a wrong route, whether it's spending too much money that they don't have on a credit card or hanging around people who might have their best interests at heart? Well, the people thing is their, it's kind of their journey. I mean, obviously if it's really radical. You step in. I'd say I would send Laird. You know, um, quite frankly. <laughs> but I, my kids are pretty tough, mm. and uh, so it's more about trying to get them. Somebody corrected me. I said self control themselves, and I had uh, a woman named Dr. Sarah Sarkis go. You know what's a really b- better expression is self regulate. Mm. Because control has a whole other set of things, right? So that's for me. It's just about really actually going like, here's the world. And, uh, you know, these are some things you have to work, look out for, trust your instincts, don't lose those. Ask yourself, um, you know, one of my daughters was really interested in being with a bunch of popular girls. Well, let me tell you, they, when she made a mistake, they were gone. Hmm. And so I was like, and that's an uncomfortable lesson, but it was also like, yeah, but that's also a reflection of who you, you were being. Hmm. And, you know, without, I told you so, cause you can't do that. So it, I don't think you can protect them too much. I don't think that's a good idea. And also, I would say to people, get them to do all the weird stuff when they're living at home. Mm-hmm. Don't like, hopefully, don't send them into the world, and then you're you're not really there to help them out. Mm-hmm. So at least if they fall on their face, which we all do, you can kind of be around. Yeah, you're in close proximity. Yeah, you and Leah do such a great job of being supportive of each other's individual dreams. How do you retain that shared bond and that shared journey, like moving ahead as a couple, mm-hmm. while giving yourselves the freedom, uh, you know, to go and be yourselves and, and do what you got to do in the world? Well, I, Laird certainly more than I am, but 
you know, Laird is really not to be contained as a mm-hmm. person. Laird's here because he chooses to be here. And um, and when I met Laird, he was obviously surfing. And that is a part of who Laird is. And so if you want to be with Laird, you, it'd be a good idea to support that. Uh, it's a battle you're not going to. <laughs> and, and also who Laird is because of that pursuit. Mm. It, I benefit from so greatly his his rawness, his presence, um, his capacity, all the things that he's quite talented at. Um, you know, so I reap the benefits of that pursuit. And also it's a pursuit I admire. Mm. Oh, you want to go into nature and challenge yourself? Yeah, I can support that. It's not like, hey, I'm trying to accumulate and um, I've got a deal and I want to smash this company and take this one over. It's pretty pure. Um, so both of us came into it um, as sort of individual people. So what we've decided is, hey, there's parts in here that we we would like to be together. And, I, and also we support one another's. Um, but I think couples make a huge mistake where all of a sudden they get with somebody and then they start trying to change them. And I think it's more natural for women to do this because we're mothers, so we mother everybody. And it's really important, I believe, for us to all adapt and change. And let's say um, I'm in in a conversation with Laird, and I make a reasonable point about wanting maybe something, and he it seems reasonable to him, then yeah, make the change. Um, but as far as like, I'm not Laird's mom, I'm Laird's partner. And um, when I understood that really clearly, that was made very clear by Laird, it liberated me from having that approach. And also, if I don't defend my real estate as a wife and a mother, I'm, I'm going to be really pissed when this is all over. And they don't talk to you about that. But I knew that going in. So I, I would always encourage, especially women that are pursuing business and other you have to find the way to defend your real estate because your kids aren't going to say, mom, I'm going to take less of your time. Mom, you know what? You look tired. I'll tell you what, I'll unload the dishwasher. They're just not going to do that. That's not their job. And your partner isn't typically going to be like, not too often. You have to make it really clear, right? Where women tend have a tendency, not all, there's always exceptions, to anticipate everybody. Like, oh, he needs to go on a little adventure. Look at him. He's so domesticated and restless. Oh, the kids look like they haven't gone outside enough. But really, as a female, I think that's important to defend that for yourself. And and that sounds selfish and harsh, but I think it's realistic. I've been doing this for 25 years, and it seems to be what I have see over and over. So the idea would be join the relationship to enhance. Come with the objective to enhance mm. the situation and enhance your partner's life. Hopefully your partner's on the same page. Mm. If after a while they're not, that's kind of on them. Mm. And that's on you to decide what you want to do. And then it is your responsibility to care for your kind of your own personal voice. Um, and it changes when you have a little baby. I used to say you blow on the fire, just try to keep the fire alive a little. And as they get older and they're more independent, you know, you can let the thing blaze up again. Um, but it's again, assessing, checking in, noticing, Think, seeing when things started getting out of whack, whatever. Yeah, but being true to yourself too. It's like if, if yeah. the other person, you sense that they need freedom, but you're pissed off at each other and the other person goes to have freedom and then they can't enjoy their time away, right. you're pissed off and then you come back and you still hate each other and it hasn't really accomplished what it, what it needed to do that time away. Yeah, you know, Laird jokes that we're in the Cold War, him and I. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have a very peaceful relationship. We don't do quite a bit. We don't do fighting or bickering or whatever. And really, it's probably because we're both too mean. Mm. So we don't even do it. He goes, yeah, we're kind of in the Cold War. Yeah, you know? no shots fired. We're, we're just doing this. But also, each person in their own life, if, if let's say he's in a bad mood, 
I have no, I am way more effective. I don't go like, why are you in a bad mood? I elevate my behavior and sure enough, it pulls him up. Mm. And same with me. If I'm down and out and kind of funky and I watch Laird and he's staying in his best self, I'm reminded like, oh, that's the standard. That's what we're doing. Um, we're not going to make anybody do anything. And, um, and the idea of being in a relationship that you don't want to try to make it better for your partner, I, at some point, it's like, why bother? All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Well, let's now move into what we call the win the day rocket round, which okay. is 10 questions All for right. some 10 very quick answers. Okay. If you're cool with that, this is where we get to know are the gonna, real you, Gabby. Are you going to ask me a question that I've never been asked before <laughs> to tell you what it is? Yeah, right. Don't ask me my favorite song or book. Okay, <laughs> okay go ahead. Number one, what quote inspires you the most? Well, I just heard one by Emerson that was like, the gist of it is like, no matter how many times I'm defeated, I'm born to victory. And I think that's important for all of us to know. Powerful that one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Number two, morning coffee or evening wine? Oh, I don't drink. So uh, coffee, get jacked up. Mm. Yeah. Number three, what's one bit of advice you would give your 18-year-old self? Don't take it personal. Mm. Number four, what book do you gift the most? I've been recently gifting Awareness by DeMello. Um, that's been recently. I'll just give you the reason. It's uh, just a nice reminder. I also really appreciated the courage to be disliked, which I thought was important because it's of service. It's about accountability and that at the end of the day, what's really going to make us feel good is to be participate, to be of service. Love it. Number five, was there a vulnerability you once hid within that became your superpower? A vulnerability. Uh, Peace in the storm, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I always say I'm really not that smart, uh, but my uh, my genius is I'm always looking for homeostasis by nature. I'm trying to, I'll try to get those wings level uh, just by nature. Mm-hmm. Number six, what's one thing you've learned about failure? About what? About failure. Oh, failure? Um, I, I was from Iowa for a minute. Uh, <laughs> oh, fi- failure is just part of the deal. It isn't failure. It's, it, you know, it's like in your book, when you were talking about, you know, failure, not being like a final moment, it's just like, you're continuing through. It's like a pothole in the road and failure, you know, every cliche, it's like, oh, perfect. There it is. Good. Now we can figure it. And it's also essential. Why is it happening? What do you need to learn from it? So you don't have to hit that particular bump again. And, um, you know, we, I heard a thing where someone said, you never ask God, like, why the good things are happening. And so we we do that sometimes with failure. It's like, hey, take it. It's part of the cycle. Yeah, the price of admission. Yeah. Yeah. The, number seven, if you could sit on a park bench and have a conversation with someone alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, I think, you know, after reading, I think Thoreau, I kind of really dig all his disobedient stuff. I don't know. It's just like, (laughs) he's just really down the line about being disobedient, meaning, you know, that's, and I think more than ever, right? We, it's like, how do, what do you see? What is your discernment? What's your own point of view? Um, I was reading Madness of Crowds um, by Dennis Murray and you just go, yeah, we really better be connected to like, our personal assessment about what's going on. Yeah, especially in a world of conformity. It's nice to have that element of disobedience and innovation. Yeah. Uh, Number eight, what tool or resource best helps you run your life or business? Honestly, I I still write everything down. Mm. I have this big fat book over here because it's just all the moving parts and it's a story for me, like the months and the weeks. And you don't want to make one week so crazy if you can help it. So how do you make that story flow? Um, Yeah. 
Number nine, share one thing on your bucket list. Oh, geez. Honestly, I, part of it, I, someone asked me this a few years ago and it was like, I want to be part of a company that's worth over a hundred million dollars and really like, because it was one thing to be on camera and be talent, but then you realize that you have to own stuff if you really want to have longevity. Um, but I think on my bucket list is, is, uh, now, today, would be that there's a part of me that's very interested in going back to feeding my own singular career. Because mm-hmm. for a w- so long, I ha- was me in my singular career. Then I also supported Laird and started having babies. And it's exactly what I wanted to do. I chose to do. And then there's parts of our career that it's like us together. And now there's a part of me that really is interested in sort of saying, well, what is it? part of it look like. I mean, I'm always tethered to Laird. I love that. But there's another part that's like going back to that singular. Yeah. Different seasons. The time is right to get back to that's that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And final question. What's one thing you do to win the day? I think I show up every day with this idea of doing my best and trying to create value. And I'll always, you know, if it says requires 20, I'll always do 22. And, um, and I try really hard to not uh, allow my teeth, my ego to be in charge. I really think that I save myself a lot of hassle when I can just look at things reasonably, process it, and uh, make decisions from that attitude, be it in business or personal. Um, it seems to be more, more effective mm. in the long run. I love it. Well, there are a bunch of ways that you can connect with Gabby. You can visit her website, gabriellereese.com. Connect with her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabby Reese and check out her awesome podcast, The Gabby Reese Show. Again, we'll link to all of that and more in the show notes. Before we go, hit the subscribe button and get access to episodes as soon as they are released and leave a comment on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts and let us know your favorite takeaway from this episode. Remember to get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always. Always.